Welcome to the Recycler podcast. My name is David Connett and my resident guest is Peter Mayhew, Director and Senior Analyst at Lightwords Imaging. Welcome, Peter. And what's in the news today? Ah, welcome, David. What have we got today? Interesting a few topics to talk about. We're going to kick off by just taking a little bit of the uh, of where we are in the market one year on uh, as we enter into 2021. We're going to talk a lot about plastic in this podcast. We may even talk a bit about HP, not that we ever do that. And we're going to have a very interesting and finally uh, about uh, another OEM, Canon. So uh, yeah, a few interesting topics to talk about today, Dave. All right. Well, let, let's crack on. I mean, just about a year since uh, COVID you know, came into our lives and uh, the world has changed quite significantly. Work from home, businesses, I think every challenge and believe me, COVID is the biggest challenge we're facing in 50 years, I think. There are also opportunities. It's, it is interesting. Uh, you have to look for the positives, but you've got to go through the negatives to get to the positives, haven't you? And in, uh, certainly at the moment, there, there's an interesting number about the number of small and medium-sized businesses, not just in the UK, but around the world, that are particularly challenged right now by the pandemic. I mean, one number that came out of the UK, which I thought was an interesting one, the Federation of Small Businesses in the UK were speculating that they estimated that nearly a quarter of a million businesses were set to close. And I think, actually, that there is a problem bubbling under here. And I think it all relates really to things like in the UK, we have a furlough scheme. I'm sure you have something similar in Germany and France and across Europe there. These are government subsidies to keep businesses open. And I just can't help but feel that when those schemes come to an end or they start to run down, that's when we're really going to see, you know, redundancies start to, to climb. There, I think we're creating a bit of a false environment at the moment because when you think about it, a lot of businesses have simply, you know, adapted to a new way of working, probably with fewer staff, but trying to achieve efficiency gains. And I think that's going to change things pretty dramatically. You know, we're focused on the imaging industry, so why are we talking in generally about other SMBs? But the reality is, for the imaging industry, the aftermarket, the small SMBs are the bread and butter customers for uh, an awful lot of people in the industry. And if, if your customer is going to close because literally they've run out of money or there's no government support or then even the nature of their business has changed, then that reflects as a challenge for you know the imaging industry. Yes, and we and we see that just so so often you know how the the, the utilization of copiers and and fleets of copiers these days is down pretty dramatically now yes you know when you look at it people are returning back to the workplace in some ways or the other you know printing will hopefully come back but it, it's going to be a changed environment i think the volume of printing is going to be in line with in individual country economics so if one country's economy shrinks five percent printing will shrink five, six percent. If it's if an economy shrinks eleven percent it's gonna shrink if printing's gonna shrink. And if an economy grows then printing will grow. Whatever. I think the big thing that I'm seeing is uh, the work from home culture. I'm seeing big corporations like Procter and Gamble, etc., all saying we're not going back to what it was. Yes, people will be in the office, but yes, people will be working from home, whether that's full time or X days a week. And the print from home market has gone through the roof. 
you're absolutely right there. It has gone through the roof. And, and as I talk to uh, the industry, I hear it time and time and time again about yeah. this thing called Business Inc. Jet. Yeah. That, that was an interesting concept and conversation a few years ago. That will never, never happen, but it certainly happened now. True. I mean, inkjet, you can't get the empties or whatever for leaven and money. Yeah. But at the same time, the, the fleets of multifunction devices in big offices, you know, where the value for the OEM or the dealer comes from the pages printed, those revenues have collapsed. And they've collapsed more than the increase in revenue from print from home. Well, that is, and that is the uh, the problem. Here. But you know, it's interesting. Again, it comes another thing that came out of the um, Remcon seminars over the past couple of years that we've held at uh, Paperworld and at the uh, Reman Expo. You know, when we've talked about this change towards IT services and the change towards software, I was very interested in the um, announcement that came out just a few days ago about uh, DMC Canatec PLC. Yeah and how they've just acquired uh, Artel. Now, I guess if you're in Europe or around the world, you may not know a lot about uh, DMC Canatech, but they are a huge organisation in the UK. Their, their group includes brands like Condor, Lemic, uh, CSL Business Machines, System Technology and United Carlton. They employ some 11, oh, sorry, they have some 11,000 customers in the UK market, and each one of those almost certainly has um, an MPS contract of some description and, uh, you know, a varying range of numbers of uh, MFPs in there. And they just acquired another company there. So it just goes to show that there is also opportunity, as you quite rightly said, in this situation here. Yeah, and I think there are challenges. There are companies that will close. That's inevitable because the market is changing so rapidly and quite often just haven't the resources to adapt to change. So if you see the change and you can adapt to it, then you move forward. Now, Lexmark, for instance, is a company where they've really seen some of these changes and reacted quite rapidly, A, with the products they're offering, but also, you know, their, their cloud printing service seems to have taken off like no tomorrow. It really has, and I think, you know, in, in part that is because people need to understand what's happening on their printing fleets, but their printing fleet has become so more, so much more distributed. Plus, you've got this change of printing habit away from the A3 copiers towards, you know, distributed A4 model. And there's that need for information, I, I think, in, and it was interesting. I've always considered Australia and New Zealand to be very, very interesting markets. If there's a markets around the world where in many respects replicate the Western European markets and the North American market, but it's a little bit more protected, a little bit more private, it's a little bit more out of the way. So they don't know what's going on there. It's Australia and New Zealand. I think this was where this particular uh, article came out of about Lexmark, about what's going on down in Australia and New Zealand. Now, they saw this just explosion an uptake of their um, of their software, and partly because it just delivered real-time al analytics. Now, that's not a new concept, but it was just fascinating the way that um, 
they reported how you know the impact of, of that infrastructure had had down there in Australia. And I think you know if if you're an OEM or if you're even you somebody who's interested in product development, Australia is very much the market to go to to put in that technology or to try those experiments, do those field trials. We can do it a little bit out of the way of what your competition might be doing. A very good opportunity market there because they speak the lang- you know the, the the generic English language. They understand the business ways of you know working a similar way to we do in Western Europe and in North America. So fascinating market. Uh, yeah, interesting story. I, I mean, Lexmark also. I mean, it, in that market, they appointed a new leader. I think early last year. So I think you're seeing you know that new focus as well and all the different services come together to really drive that market in a way that you're not necessarily seeing other OEMs driving the market. I do have a sense from conversations I have with OEMs, and yes, I do talk to OEMs. Some of them are running around, not really with a handle on where the market is going. And this is this is the point, isn't it, is that the market Yes, printing will be there, as we talked about many times before, and it will, you know, it will come back to a certain level. It may not be where it was previously, but there will be a core printing that's done there. But it's also the shift towards, you know, uh, digital workflows and greater efficiencies here. And that's interesting what DMC talked about in their uh, announcements here, you know, about their, their whole, you know, way of working is about making work easy using workplace technologies. And that's not just about managed print services, it's about informa- information management systems, it's about agile working, it's about telecoms, IT services. We talked about all of these things before. It's about all of those things coming together and that consolidation opportunity that they've seen there um, is really starting to deliver and exploit exploit, you know, for them. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, we said it before, you know, the person that controls the the IT network in a company is the person that controls everything. And so if you're just a a copier dealer, you have to go out and sell your services to the IT company that's managing it, as well as the company that's using it. So it's it's a double-edged whammy, or you've got to buy up IT companies so that you can leverage in your printing expertise and benefit mm-hmm. from the IT management. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I do think this is a message that's, that's trickling down now. You know, I think even a lot of the micro and small dealers in this industry are all now really, you know, ramping up, gearing up, focusing on IT services. Not the expense of print, but complementary to print. I think that's the distinction there. And I tell you now, there's a revolution coming in the uh, MPS sector in the sense that one of the barriers for small companies is the cost of setting everything up, collecting the data and all the rest of it. You know, because if you're a small company and you've maybe got 100 customers, you know, setting up an MPS system is quite complex and expensive. So what if you could do it for 10 euros a month? You know, suddenly it's a whole new service you can offer your customers. And I think Mm -hmm. there's a service coming, and more about that next month. There's a service coming that's going to revolutionize the uh, MPS market. Yeah, I I agree with what you're saying there. Uh, I think there's a demand for that, you know, in the in the channels there, and, I, and that's going to be an interesting one. Watch this space for next month. 
Indeed. Let's move on to our next topic, and let's just talk about this, uh, the uh, dear friends in the European Union. There's a, I think I can say that. Am I allowed to say that? I'm not, not banned from, from still calling you our friends. Is that, is that okay? Of course you can call us your friends, yes. <laughs> Excellent, good. The European Union has banned the export of waste, except under very tight and very controlled circumstances. The idea really is, is to stop all the containers of effectively garbage being dumped around the world and causing a problem. Yeah. It, it also will require, you know, member states of the European Union to actually start to sort out that waste problem. And they have two choices, really. Invest in the infrastructure to deal with it. So recycling, etc. But at the same time, really start to change the way people think about waste uh, and everything else and whether that's the common garden plastic bag or you know your your toner cartridge or, or whatever reuse has to be the way forward you know the green agenda because spain say that you know if they keep going the way they go they need a country two and a half times the size that it is just to sustain what's going on so everybody's now thinking how do we stop the waste how do we stop the waste and it's a two-fold strategy you've got to deal with the waste that you've got but you've got to start to legislate and change culture so that we stop generating waste. And we actually, rather than calling it waste, we have to find reuses for it. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, a, it's an interesting uh, topic. I think, what, you know, when I did some background reading on this, I was quite interested to read that it also includes this, this ban on shipments. Well, it also includes, you know, intra EU shipments of hazardous plastic as well. So that's member state to member state as well. Absolutely. The same rules apply. So if you're sending a lorry load of plastic from France to Germany, then you have to notify it to the German authorities and yep. the company and, and get approval for the transport of shipment. And this yep. has all come into effect on, on the 1st of January this year. And I think the other issue that's, that also struck me was that in Europe, there, apart from the fact that Europeans generate 25 million tonnes of plastic waste every year, yeah. and only a third of that is actually recycled, there's actually a problem in Europe is that there's not actually the processing capacity right now. That's another challenge that that Europe faces is is what do you do with this waste now? You know, if, if we're only recycling less than a third of it now, you know, what are we going to do with it? We, you know, you're either going to put it in a hole in the ground or you're going to burn it at the end of the day. And, and both of those are not solutions. Think about, okay, why is it only a third of waste recycled today? Because it's been easy to stuff it in a container and ship it off to China or wherever. Mm -hmm. and, and the problem disappears and sending a container to China costs whatever it costs, which is significantly cheaper than setting up a, a recycling facility to recycle more plastic. So the reality for the industry, for governments is, okay, we can't ship it off to China anymore. And I actually agree with that. I mean, I think the stuff that can be reprocessed, that's fine. But you know, most of it is just garbage bags full of plastic. That has to be dealt with where it's generated. Rather than the taxpayer paying for the treatment of that waste, the producer of the waste has to pay for it. So if you're making a plastic bag or a plastic widget, you have to pay a plastic tax that covers the cost of the waste, 
rather than then the money is there for it to be treated properly and correctly. Yeah, this, this is an interesting part of it. <laughs> and um, I was, again, background reading on this particular topic, and I, I stumbled across um, a couple of interesting things around plastic bottles, of all things. Now, you know, not necessarily related to us, although, you know, we do have containers that go into copiers, which is another story. First of all, I came across a factoid. And the fact that I come across was that Americans throw away 35 billion, 35 billion plastic bottles every year. In the EU, would you believe it, that the plastic bottles industry has a voluntary agreement? <laughs> they, they do. <laughs> we know about voluntary agreements. But one of the uh, outflows from this voluntary agreement is that it could actually increase demand for recycled PET. There, there's mention of, a, of one target in there to increase the recycled PET in uh, in plastic bottles to uh, to 25% by 2025. So that's going to feed into generating demand for better recycling of plastic as we, we move forward. So yeah. and it, and, you know, it's an interesting digression, that one. Over time, it has to be a combination of using less virgin plastic and reusing, recycling more of the plastic we already have. And at some point, they cross over and the environmental benefits start to uh, kick in. But we have to stop making it virgin and, and, plastic and we have to reuse more and more and more. Yeah, which, which then brings us on to the topic of, of at some point it comes to an end of life. And... There was an interesting report about the biodegradability of plastics in the open environment, which was came out of the EU also in, in December 2020. And it talked about, um, you know, about biodegradability. It depends not only on the properties of the plastic material, but it also depends upon the environmental conditions yeah. in which it can, uh, can, can degrade as well. So... I mean, I, I read the report and yes, you're right. There is a role in the market for biodegradable plastics in certain applications. But I think the overwhelming thing the scientists were saying is that using biodegradable plastic where you can reuse and recycle is not so good. So in other words, if you've got a, a plastic product that can be reused and recycled and it fills a proper purpose, then that's the best solution. Whilst there are applications for biodegradable plastics, you shouldn't use them where there's a, a, a proper reuse channel there. So Yeah, you really have to, you know, make sure you've gone through the three R's, if I dare to mention those. You know, reducing yeah. the use first of all, of reusing and recycling. Okay. Before yeah. you get to that 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 next step. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know. So, um, but but that's an interesting report because everybody is looking at plastics, how to use them, how to reduce less, how to reuse more. So, you've got to be across all, all of that because bioplastics is becoming more popular, and there certainly are some really good applications. But I think where there's a strong established reuse for particular types of plastic, it's better to keep feeding plastic into that channel so it gets reused and recycled correctly. Agreed on that one there. Interesting topic though, lots, yeah, of, yeah. lots of interesting information out there on uh, yeah. on plastics at the moment and, and again it's a, in a way it's another, another consequence of the pandemic, you know, that we are looking at these issues in a lot more detail and, and you know, these strategies are, are, are coming to the fore. Speaking of strategies, there we talk about our, um, our, our, our best friends at, uh, at HP and Peter? some of the challenges that they've... Uh... Peter? 
Peter, I told you in the pre-podcast brief, we're not talking about HP this time. We've talked about them every time. We are not going to talk about the Italians imposing a 10 million euro penalty for deceptive and aggressive practices. We're not going to commiserate with them on uh, the fact that they lose money on 25% of their customers who buy printers and then buy aftermarket consumers. Nothing more about HP this podcast. But I hear, though, a little birdie tells me that um, you had a little bit of a problem with firmware, David. Okay, yeah, we did. <laughs> we did, you know. Well, what, what happened there, then? <laughs> so, a bit, bit trigger-happy on the old uh, mouse clicks there, will we? Yeah, we, we have a couple of Dymo label machines that, for all the mailing that goes on, you know. And to be honest, the Dymo machines are really good machines, but the labels are expensive. And, and we go through a lot of labels, believe me. So we buy compatible labels rather than Dymo labels. And the, the price difference is significant when you consider the volume of labels that we buy each year. You set it all up and it's just this winky light. It says new software available. So I didn't connect software to the word firmware. So Easy mistake to make. Easy and, mistake to make. Anyway, cut a long story short. I'm not sure whether it was me or Stephanie. But as Stephanie's not here at the time of recording, I think it might have been her fault. But the finger pressed the mouse and the firmware software updated. And the labels stopped printing. No. They just stopped printing, yeah. We put, obviously we do have some Avery lab, uh, Dymo labels, but they just stopped printing. The generics, the compatible stopped printing, uh, Dymo labels carried on printing. Anyway, we went in this long rigmarole with Dymo and all the rest of it. Cut a long story short, we've rolled back the, the software. But guess what? Although we've rolled back the software, the block of the compatible labels is still there. Our, our choice is now to, to buy a new label printer, which I don't really want to do, or buy more um, Dymo labels, um, which I don't really want to do either. <laughs> yeah, so, but, you know, that, that kind of got me um, thinking a little bit when I heard that story there about paper you know and about paper and printers you know and and it's almost i don't know it just seems a bit ironic really you know you can put any brand of paper you like in your printer it yeah. doesn't doesn't really matter you know no no penalty on that no penalization on that there's no uh, no clauses around that you know but if i if i buy an, an off-brand ream of paper it's not going to um the machine's not going to read it and shut down as a result of, of putting that paper in there it's going to print it whether it's you know very thin, thin tissue paper or whether it's um a premium fine art paper it's still going to print it you know it just yeah. got me got me well, a bit curious there about what you know some about what's well, going on what i resent is having a box of labels that did work and now don't work and dymo don't seem to understand that the only thing that changed was their software update well that's a yeah. We can't offer any customer support for third-party labels, yes, but I'm not worried about the label. The label worked. It's yeah. this software has stopped it working, you know. But mm -hmm. hey, we've been there, we've done that, you know. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so if you know anybody who wants quite a lot of rolls of labels that don't work, drop me an email. You know, we write about it, we tell people about it, I brief people about it. I even have a small uh, group, you know, that, and we talk about software firmware updates, etc., and we got caught. Which I guess brings us to my end finally. My okay. end finally for today, yeah, and then our friends at Canon. 
that I noted uh, a couple of press releases that came through from Canon at the start of the, the new year and, and maybe a new look Canon. Had a very strong year. First of all, it was one of the press releases telling me that they filed over 3,200 uh, US patents, highest of all Japanese companies in uh, 2020, I believe that was. And then they got a second release, which I thought was also interesting because it was telling me about how to make my business more circular. Again, coming back to green issues and circular economy. And this release told me, directed me to the uh, to the website, and uh, it discussed the circular economy. And links uh, were contained in there to tell me, you know, how Canon is uh, supporting the circular economy. And it gave me seven steps to analyse my business to be more circular as well. Told me about how I could design for the future, how I could incorporate digital technology, how I could preserve and extend, you know, what's already been made. I could prioritise regenerative resources. Peter, preserve and extend. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah. Does that apply to their cartridges? And <laughs> you know, they're recommending, you know, that you preserve and extend the life of a cartridge rather than just chuck it away and uh, buy a new one. This particular article. I think um, was at a much higher level than that, um, uh, rather than specifically around around cartridges. But it also went on to you know talk about um, using waste as a resource, thinking about the business model, uh, collaborating to create joint ventures. I guess that maybe there's that could rather than being um, just about circular economy, perhaps there's some New Year's resolutions in there that are coming out of uh, from our friends at Canon. What do you think? Um, well, it would be great if they were talking about consumables as well. But the one point I would take out of that is if coronavirus in the last year has shown anything is that as business go forward, collaboration is going to be an essential key because not every business can do everything. And collaboration is the only way for an industry, for a company to go at the moment. Natural adversaries, you know, where there's a common interest, have to consider how can we collaborate. And actually, only a couple of days ago, somebody gave me a great example. He's involved in shipping cartridges all over the world, collecting and he said it would be really great if everybody in the industry, one way or another, in the remanufacturing, is if we could all get together and just collaborate and agree a standard packaging, whatever, for cartridges, quantity, weight, how they're packed, wrapped, etc. He said because they deal with everything from 50 cartridges and a black bag to boxes and whatever. And, and he said and that all costs money. And he said, yeah, if you knew that a pallet of cartridges, XYZ cartridges would be, I don't know, 150 cartridges and it would weigh X kilos and it would come on a Euro pallet and it's packed a certain way. You could start to streamline and save time. All the packaging would be the same. You know, all the instructions would be the same. If that filtered through the whole industry, he said it, it, it would be a amazing you know the standard load for a 20-foot container a standard load for a 40-foot container okay yeah. it, it's just an idea that that's where collaboration comes together either through a trade body trade association like a tier or whatever but you know there are certain things where collaboration needs to happen for the benefit yeah. of the whole industry yeah and you only get that through uh, through talking and through talking about it and uh, yeah. and talking about ideas and so on there, which I guess brings us to almost the end of our time today. And uh, on, the subject of, on the subject of collaboration, uh, if you want to join us and uh, share, chat, talk, 
ask us questions, then uh, David, how do they reach us? All they've got to do is email news at therecycler.com and we'll get them in. But the good news is uh, in a and a couple of the upcoming uh, uh, podcasts, where hopefully we'll have some more guests talking about this uh, revolutionary MPS program. And we're also uh, hopefully going to get uh, somebody talking about plastics and technology, uh, etc. Great. Looking forward to it. That's for the future. Something else today, probably the first time in a long time where we haven't actually talked about Brexit. We haven't, no. I being that being the Brit on the uh, on the line here, I'm I'm trying very hard to um, park that one to one side. Time will tell. Anyway, time Peter, certainly will tell. Thanks very okay. much for your time, and uh, we'll catch up next time soon.